0: Thank you for listening to the Sermon Audio Podcast from Greenwood Baptist Church in Weatherford, Texas. Now, here's a message from one of our pastors. If you don't know me, my name is Austin Cooper, and I am the outreach pastor here at Greenwood Baptist Church. And today we're going to start off in Mark chapter 10, verse 45, if you want to get your Bibles ready. Um, But I do want to let you know, hey, today's my birthday, and so that's kind of cool. Uh, The first service clapped, you know, when I said that, but it's all good. You know, if if I was a uh, if I was a birthday brat, I would uh, ask you guys to sing me happy birthday since it was my birthday. But uh, you know that term birthday brat? Those are the kind of people that when it's their birthday, they kind of expect the entire world to revolve around them. You know, and if it doesn't go exactly as they want, they kind of throw a fit. Like if they didn't get the text from the long-lost relative or if their spouse didn't do exactly what they wanted, or if the, you know, the waiter didn't acknowledge that it was their birthday, they're like, oh man, it's my birthday. I can't believe they would do this. It's my birthday today. Well, my wife and I, we've been watching a show that this girl is not only a birthday brat about herself, she's a birthday brat about her dog. She threw a birthday party for her dog in Los Angeles, a lavish birthday party 40 or 50 people came, and then this one girl comes in and starts creating drama. And the dog owner kind of pulls her to the side and says, how could you do this on my dog's birthday? And so we see that there are birthday brats, but a lot of times, sometimes if we're not careful, we can also become church brats, where we think the church is here to serve us and that everything revolves around us. The music, the preaching, everything should be about us, us, us. But Jesus shows us very clearly with his life that he came to serve, not to be served. And that we as a church, our core value, and we're walking through uh, our different core values in this series that we'll end today, that one of our core values is that everyone serves. And so today we're going to go over the last two core values, which is, like I said, everyone serves and everyone gives. And if you'll uh, open up your Bible to Mark chapter 10, verse 45, we're going to start there. And this is Jesus speaking, and he, uh, he's kind of settling a debate between his disciples on who is the greatest in the kingdom of God. And Jesus says very clearly that the, the greatest isn't who you would think it would be. The greatest is those that came to serve. The servants are the greatest in the kingdom of God. And we'll pick up here in verse 45, and if you'll please stand with me. In honor of reading of God's word, this is Jesus speaking. And he says this, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others, and to give his life as a ransom for many. May God add blessing to his word. You may be seated. So we see right off the bat that Jesus says here that he did not come to be served. And Jesus, he was God in the flesh. He could have very easily brought his kingdom to this earth, created a golden throne, sat on it, crossed his arms, and said, you serve me. And guess what? He still would have been perfect. He still would have been righteous, even if he did that. But Jesus came to this earth, and he came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus came as a servant. You know, when you read the Gospels, you can just highlight over and over and over again how Jesus served people, especially in practical ways. You know, he got around people that no one else wanted to be around. He went to where people, especially Jewish people, and spoke to people that were Gentiles that Jewish people would not speak to. He went and he touched the sick. He healed the blind. He healed the lame. He spoke kindly to sinners while he pointed them to repentance. He even got on his knees and washed the feet of his disciples. Jesus came not to be served, but to serve. And I like how he kind of phrases this in verse 45 again. He says, "'For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others.'" And give his life as a ransom for many. And so we see that Jesus' acts of service, as, uh, as he was walking around and showing God's love in practical ways and being a servant, that was powerful in of itself, but it did not end there. You see, he came to be a servant and also to point to the ultimate act of service that he would do, which was dying on the cross and to forgive the sins of humanity, anyone who would accept him, so that we could be with him for eternity. See, Jesus allowed his acts of service to, again, point to the ultimate act of service, him dying on the cross. The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and give his life as a ransom to many. I think we see this when he is washing uh, the feet of his disciples, which is just crazy if you think about it. Like the God of the universe, the one that created the entire cosmos, the one that created the cells in our body, the one that created hands and feet, and created the disciples, created you and me. He is on his knees washing the feet, the dirty, filthy feet of his disciples. And one of the disciples, Peter, what does he do? He says, no, Jesus, no, you can't, you shouldn't be doing this. I should be doing this for you. And Jesus says this, he says, but who is going to make you clean if not me? And Peter responds, then not just my feet, Jesus, my whole body. You see, in that passage, Jesus was obviously doing an act of service. He was serving someone, but again, it pointed to the ultimate act of service that Jesus would one day die on the cross and offer all of humanity forgiveness of their sins so that he would one day make us clean in his righteousness. You see, servanthood and being a servant is good, but it also points to a greater truth. And so that's why I believe that when we come and we understand this core value of everyone serves, when we serve in the church or we serve in the community or we serve our family members or our coworkers or wherever it is, that becomes a a powerful way to connect with people on the surface, yes, but it also points them to the greater truth of what Jesus has done for us and in us when we serve others. I think that when we serve other people, it gives people a clear impression or clear picture of who Jesus is and the fact that Jesus, again, came to serve others, to serve us. I think, man, we are living a day and age where people need a clear picture of who Jesus is. Because gone is the day that, you know, people are growing up with Christian parents or that Christian grandma that instilled with them Christian values and a, a, a true biblical view of who Jesus is. You know, gone is the day, you can ask our youth pastor, John Hartman, gone is the day that students in our schools, sometimes there are Christians in the schools, but a lot of times people don't, the students don't even know a Christian in their schools today. And so they get their picture of who Jesus is, primarily through non-biblical media. Social media, magazines, news stories, whatever it is. Non-biblical ones. I mean, that will mess your view of Jesus up. In fact, a lot of people, they think Jesus is like a racist or a misogynist or he only wants you for your money. And so when we come in and we serve other people, whether it's people coming into our church for the first time and they're greeted and they see how we serve each other, or we serve them in the community, or they just see how you are a servant in your families and in your, in your jobs, I believe that, again, if we take Mark ten forty five for real, I believe that people see that servanthood and they see Jesus clear, and they get a good picture of who Jesus is. I've shared this story a few times, but um, there's a... Uh, there's an outreach that we do where we go to businesses and, uh, and gas stations, and we actually offered to wash the toilets of the gas stations and the businesses. And uh, one man we met, he was a Muslim man who owned a gas station, and uh, we came in and said, hey, we want to show you that uh, God's real and that he loves you very much by washing your toilet today. And we always make a joke out of it. So which one's worse, the men's or the women's? You know, it's always the men's, I, you know, 100%, always the men's. But he said, you know, go get back there. You can do whatever you want. He didn't really seem that impressed, if I'm being honest with you guys. And so we were coming out after we washed the toilet. And uh, he said, you know, what are you guys actually doing today? And we kind of gave him the the normal response. Well, we want to show you that God loves you in a practical way. He said, no, no, no. What are you guys really doing today? And someone on the team spoke up and kind of pointed exactly to this verse. And he said, hey, we want you to know that Jesus, if he was here today, he would be showing you that he loved you by serving you, not just yelling at you. And I don't know if that was a specific word for that man, but he like took a step back like he was hit with power. And he started tearing up and he said, now that is a Jesus that I can believe in. And I think what he was saying is that all my life, I believe Jesus to look like This. And I had the wrong impression of who Jesus Christ was. But today, when someone came in from a church and served me in a way that Jesus would, I could see Jesus clearer than ever before. You see, it is powerful to serve others within the church, in the community, in your families, and in your workplaces. Serving is powerful. But man, wherever there is something powerful for the Lord— That is where the enemy attacks. And so the enemy, a lot of times, gets in our hearts and in our minds, and instead of wanting to serve others, what he does for us is he says, no, 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 instead of serving, you want to be served. And Satan gets in our hearts and our minds, and he says, instead of being humble, I'm going to lift up and puff up your pride. And instead of doing what Philippians tells us to do and consider others as more important than ourselves, we start considering ourselves to be more important than others. And what happens is this can seep slowly but surely into your church life. And what that happens a lot of times is it moves us away from the heart of the Father. And the, start, and the church starts being less about how we can serve others in the church and church starts becoming more about how it can serve us. You know, the, a lot of statistics have come out since uh, 2020. And those stats say that most of the fastest growing churches in America today are growing not by reaching lost people and discipling them in their churches. They're actually growing from people being disgruntled with their church and coming to the fastest, newest, shiniest church in their community. And that is how a lot of these churches are growing. And I do want to say that if you are here from another church today, that, hey, we're glad you're here, but we are going to be very upfront with you that our vision for this church is always going to be to grow by reaching lost people and discipling them here in our church, not stealing other people from other churches. And if you are here from another church and you can come along that mission and come along that vision of reaching lost people and discipling them here in our church, then man, we're glad you're here and we hope that God uses you. And we understand that there are a lot of different churches that that are going off the deep end and they're no longer teaching biblical truth. And they're no longer teaching a, a biblical Jesus. And maybe that's why you're here. We also understand that there are a lot of reasons to have, quote-unquote, church hurt. That maybe you did go through some sort of spiritual abuse or whatever it is. And if you are here from that, then we do want to tell you that, man, we're glad you're here and we hope that God heals that hurt and that pain through our church and allows you to feel that freedom and come alongside the vision of reaching lost people and discipling them here in our church. But I'll also tell you, that if you come here and you meet one of our staff members and the first conversation that we have with you is about your preferences on how your church did not do things right in the past and you didn't like the music there and you didn't like the preaching there or whatever it was, I can guarantee you that our staff members, they might be nice and smiling and nodding as they're listening, but in their head they're thinking, man, in two years you're going to be gone from here doing the exact same thing about Us. You see, I think it's time to evaluate sometimes. If you have been a part of five or six different churches in the past five or six or even ten years, then I think it's to time to evaluate that maybe the, the problem isn't those churches, maybe the problem is you. And that you've let Satan get into your heart and your mind to say that church is no longer a place that I become a servant but church is now a place that serves me. And again, Satan attacks and he wants to turn this core value from everyone serves to everyone serves me. And when that happens, a lot of times we walk into the church doors and we say, oh man, no one greeted me. No one smiled at me. The pastor wasn't funny enough. The pastor wasn't serious enough. The pastor didn't interpret this passage exactly how I wanted him to or apply it in this way. This ministry didn't have enough volunteers to meet my needs and my family's needs. You see, church can become all about us. But 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10 and 11 says this. It says this. God has given us each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. All glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. You see, what this passage is saying is that God has gifted you not to take that gift and want people to serve you, but God has gifted you to what? To serve others and to bring glory to God's name. And so when we understand this and when we take this um, literally and when we understand that the core value should be that everyone serves, no longer do we walk into church and say, oh man, no one greeted me. Now we say, hey, Who can I greet? We no longer say, oh man, no one smiled at me. Now we say, who can I smile at? We no longer say that the pastor didn't do this or didn't say that. We now come into the worship service and we say, how can I pray for my pastor to speak a word from God where people will be saved and look more like Christ after they hear it? No longer do we look at ministries and how maybe they can serve our family best. We say, how can I serve in that ministry? Again, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10 and 11, it shows that everyone in here, if you know Christ, then God has gifted you with a gift to serve our church with. And if you take that literally and you understand this, That if you have received a gift from God and you are not serving other people with it, then our church is not reaching the potential that we can actually reach if you are not blessing us with your service. But God has given you a gift. And this is why we strongly believe and advocate for, and it's part of our core value, is that everyone serves. You know, and I think the thing with serving is this, is that sometimes we feel like we have to understand our gift before we serve. But I think a lot of times how God does it is he wants us to start serving and then he shows us where our giftedness is. And we've always said, man, start somewhere simple. Greet at the door. You know, pass out some donuts. Come be a part of some of our outreaches. Uh, do some of the things that are, that are simple and what happens a lot of times is God will show you what your passion and what your giftedness is. And then maybe after some time of being a member here or whatever it is, you can start teaching a Bible study or start teaching kids uh, about Jesus. You know, start where you can start. We have a, uh, on our website, Serve. we actually have all the areas that you can just sign up to serve in or come to uh, one of the pastors here at our church and say, man, I, I want to serve, we will get you serving. I can guarantee you that. But God, again, the encouragement here in 1 Peter is that God has gifted you, if you know Jesus, with a gift that is special that you can use to serve others and to increase our capacity to not only reach lost people, but to disciple people up in the church. So everyone serves. The next core value that we're going to talk about today is everyone gives. In Psalms uh, chapter 37, verse 4, it says this. It says, Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you your heart's desires. You know, growing up, I had kind of heard this verse, and I kind of interpreted it wrong. I kind of thought, oh, man, you know, if I delight in the Lord, then he's going to give me whatever I desire. Like, man, if I desire to be rich, he's going to give me that. If I desire, like, this beautiful spouse, he's going to give me this. If I desire to be the best at sports, he's going to give me that. I kind of was, like, treating him like he's a genie in the bottle. And I think if you interpret this verse incorrectly, it kind of looks like that. Like, man, when you just delight in the Lord, and then you just get to rub the lamp and tell him whatever your heart desires, and he'll give it to you. But if you read this correctly, what this is saying is that, man, when we delight in the Lord, what happens is he gives us the desires of our heart in the sense of this, that he gives us his delights and his desires will become our delights and our desires. God gives us the desires of his heart to become the desires of our hearts. So simply put, that God gives us his wants and they become our wants, and his heart becomes our heart. Do you see the difference there? It's not a genie in the bottle, or rub the lamp and tell him your desire. The heart of the Father as you delight in him actually becomes the heart of those that love him. And the cool thing about God is that man, He gives and He gives and He gives. He gives good gifts to those that love and follow Him and are called according to His purpose. He gives and he gives and he gives. And he calls those that love him and that are following him to do the same. That we are called to give of our time, our talents, our resources. And yes, we are called to give of our money back to the Lord. And you know, I, I've, I think it's kind of easy to ask that question. Well, why would God who has everything, everything in the earth is his, everything in the universe is his, he created it all. Why would he want us to give of our money to him? Like, this seems, seems a little strange sometimes if you just kind of look at it on the surface. But God, I think when you look at the scriptures, the truth is this, is that God wants to pour out on you blessing after blessing as you give to him via the church to get his gospel out to the entire world. In uh, Philippians chapter 4 there's a passage where Paul is talking and thanking a church for giving to him as he goes out and spreads the gospel throughout the, throughout the world. And, you know, I've kind of labeled Paul the worst missionary fundraiser ever because he's basically like, hey, thanks for your gift, but I didn't need it because I've learned what it, what it means to be content. In, fa- in fact, Philippians chapter 4, verse 13, a lot of people know it. It says that, Paul basically is saying this. He says, I've learned what it means to be content, for I can do all things through Christ. And he says, uh, within that, he says, I've learned what it means to, to have a lot and to have a little, to basically be well-fed and also to be hungry. I've learned what it means to be content. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And when we look at the, the context of this passage, it is a passage about a church giving financially financially to Paul to continue his ministry. And like I said, Paul's funny in the sense that he's basically like, hey, listen, I didn't need this because I've learned what it means to be content, but thank you. And he gets to the to kind of the truth of it in verse 15 through 17. He says this, he says, as you know, you Philippians were the only ones who gave me financial help when I first brought you the good news and traveled on from Macedonia. No other church did this. Even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent help more than once. I don't say this because I want to give from you. Rather, I want you to receive a reward for your kindness. I think what Paul's doing here and what other scriptures in the, in the Bible is setting up is this truth, is that God does not necessarily need our money to fulfill his will. Like God's will and His desire will be done on this earth one way or the other. But what God is asking us to do is to give of our resources and give of our time, give of our money, so not that He can do something, so that He can bless us. And that when we give of our money, a lot of times God uses that for and and gives back to us in financial providence. He makes our cars run a little bit longer. He gives us all sorts of spiritual blessings when we don't see what is His as ours, but we actually give it back to Him. And again, Paul, again, the worst missionary fundraiser ever, he says, again, I don't say this, I don't say thank you because I want your gift. I say this because I want you to receive a reward for your kindness. You see, when we're not giving, we're missing out on the reward that God bestows on us. that doesn't always look financial. It can. But a lot of times it looks like blessings and spiritual blessings and and financial providence. And a lot of times when we don't give, we miss out on something great that God has for us. You know, there was a a guy named uh, Stephen who was a, a pastor in our church for a little while, and uh, he felt called to go to New York City to plant a church in the, uh, in the third poorest neighborhood in all of New York City. And uh, one day I was uh, listening to John Hartman, our youth pastor, preach on the difference between tithes and offerings and then what he labeled as radical giving. And he pointed out in Acts, especially in the early church, that there were things that were—people or people were— Radically giving to one another, amazing gifts, selling things, and taking care of the poor within the church and the needy—just these radical gifts. And as he was speaking, I was convicted by the Holy Spirit that God wanted uh, me and my family to give a radical gift, a radical gift for us, to Stephen as he went and planted a church in New York City. And so, after the Wednesday night service, I went and found Stephen and and I said, "Hey, what's going on with your ministry? You know, kind of where are you at? Uh, what's happening?" And he said, man, I'm so excited to tell you, Austin, that uh, we have found a trailer on the streets of New York City that only cost about this amount of money. And you have to understand, like anything in New York City basically costs like a million dollars, right? And so he said that this trailer is super cheap, and it's on on the street that we want to start our ministry at, the street that we want to start sharing the gospel at. And he said again that this is the amount that it will take to buy this trailer. And it was a super low amount. But it happened to be basically to the dollar, the exact same amount that God had put on my wife's heart, uh, my, my wife and I's heart to give to Stephen. And so we went home that day, and man, I'm just like over the moon. Man, God's going to use me in this kind of way. Wow, God, I can't believe He used, ch- chose me to use uh, my money to help this. Uh, you know, Stephen, get this trailer or whatever it is. And, you know, we celebrated in that, but we never actually went and got the money. <laughs> we kind of let day by day pass by. Stephen didn't have online giving set up yet. You know, I'm a millennial. I don't really know how to write a check. And uh, to, um, <laughs> to torture ourselves, we bank with Bank of America, which there's no Bank of America in all of Parker County. And so I needed to go get the cash to give Stephen this gift so that he could purchase this trailer, right? And so day by day, we just patted ourselves on the back. Yeah, you know, this is, this is great. And my wife's like, hey, you should probably go get that money. I'll do it tomorrow. Hey, you should probably go get that money. I'll do it tomorrow. Hey, you should probably go get that money. A week passes by. And then I jump on Facebook and you know, there's sometimes that you jump on Facebook and the first post you see, you know it has nothing to do with the algorithms. It is straight from the Lord to tell you something. Well, Stephen's post came right up to the top of my Facebook feed. And it's a picture of that trailer sitting on the streets of New York City. And he says, Praise God by the generous gifts of our partners, we were able to purchase this trailer that the entire, our entire ministry. Will be based out of, and I knew right then and there that I had missed out—not on helping Stephen get the trailer, but I had missed out on what God wanted to do for me and my reward. I missed out on being a part of something that was greater than myself. I drove like 95 miles per hour to the first Bank of America I could find, pulled out that cash, and I went and gave it to Stephen. And I said, "Listen," I told him this story. And I said, God is going to take care of you one way or the other. But the people that are giving to this ministry, they are getting the reward. And it works the same in our church. That man, when when we give to this church, it is not just because we want to make budget or we want a certain amount of money. It's because we know that God will reward you for giving your money to him via the church. And it is that when we give, man, we get to be a part of something that is greater than ourselves. Did you know that every single dollar that comes in here, we don't just keep it. We give it out. We help the ministry, different ministries grow. We help the gospel spread all around the world. Every single dollar that comes in here, did you know that we give it to a local pro-life organization called Grace House? That is helping uh, moms that are in crisis. That are helping people that are thinking about getting an abortion. That are helping even fathers who are dealing with getting a girlfriend or girlfriends or or whatever it is pregnant. They are in there sharing the gospel, pointing people to Jesus, saying, "Hey, don't don't let's not make this decision. Let's let's value life. Let's pursue Christ in this. Every single dollar you give goes. A uh, percentage of that goes to that ministry to help." Christ be more realized in the pro-life way through Grace House. Did you know every dollar that you give, a percentage of that goes to Center of Hope, who is on the front lines of helping the marginalized and the poor and the homeless. They can come in. They can get a hot meal. They do job training. They help, help people with their utilities. They help people get back on their feet with the poor and the marginalized. Every time you give to us, you are giving to that as well. Did you know every time that you give a dollar to Greenwood, a percentage of that goes to an orphanage in Haiti, the poorest of the poor, where they're taking in kids, clothing them, teaching them the gospel, and helping them set up for when they graduate out of the orphanage to live a life that they can actually live when they turn 18. Did you know that every single dollar that you give here, a percentage of that goes right back into our community to show God's love in practical ways? Every single dollar that you give here goes right back out to missionaries that are all around our nation, planting churches in hard-to-reach areas, Santa Cruz, California, Denver, Colorado, and San Antonio, Texas, spreading the gospel all around the world. You see, when God asks us to give, it's not just because he wants money. He's asking you to give because he wants you to receive the reward of financial providence, of spiritual blessings— and ultimately to be a part of something that is greater than yourself. If you're out there today and you've never come to know Jesus and made Jesus your Savior and Lord, then a lot of this might not even make sense. Because what God does not say is, is serve enough and then you'll be saved, or give enough and then you'll be saved. God says there is only one way to be saved, and that is through a relationship with Jesus Christ. And here at this church, we like to make it as simple as possible and we say that to come to know Christ, the Bible lays out kind of the ABCs of coming to know Jesus. And that is A, that you must admit that you are a sinner. Romans 3.23 says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23 says that those wages of that sin is death, but that the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. So you must A, admit that you are a sinner. Then you must B, believe that Jesus is the Son of God. That he came to this earth, he lived a perfect life without sin. That he died on the cross for your sins, for my sins. And that he came back to life three days later defeating death. Then you must believe that that is true. And then C, that you must confess Jesus as your Lord. That you say, hey, I'm not only getting a Savior, I'm getting a Lord. God, I'm no longer going to live the way that I want to live only. I'm going to follow you in your commandments. And you must confess Jesus as Lord. And here a second, I'm going to um, do a model prayer and lead you in a prayer that is simply just you, if you've never accepted Jesus into your heart to be your Lord and Savior. This prayer is just a, a model prayer for you to pray with me to, for you to accept Jesus as your Lord and your Savior. And if you've never done that before and you would like to today, I'm going to invite you to pray with me. So if I could have everybody bow your heads and close your eyes. If you'd like to accept Jesus into your heart to become your Lord and your Savior, you can pray this prayer with me. God, I do realize that I have sinned and fallen short of your glory. But God, I believe that you love me enough to send your one and only son to this earth. God, I believe that he lived a perfect life without sin. I believe that he died on the cross for my sins. God, I believe that he came back to life three days later, defeating death. Jesus, I'm asking you to come into my heart to forgive me of my sins, to become my Savior and my Lord. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you just said that prayer for the very first time and you meant it, would you just look up at me? I haven't seen you yet. Just keep on looking. I see you. You said that prayer for the very first time and you meant it. Would you just look up at me? If you were one of those that looked up at me or maybe you said that prayer and you didn't indicate it. We would love to help you and walk with you in this new decision, this new life that Jesus has given you. And there's a few ways that you can indicate that you have accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior. You can text "I did it" to the number that's on the board or on the screen. There's also a QR code on the screen that you can scan, or a QR code in the bulletin that you were given when you walked in that you can scan as well. We're not asking anything of you. We're not even asking you to join our church, but we would love to help you understand what it looks like to live a life that is following in the footsteps of Jesus. If you are new to our church or you've also maybe never become a member, there's also a a QR code in the bulletin that you can scan as well, and we will have a staff member meet with you uh, shortly about church membership. So I'm going to pray and then we're going to have this, uh, announcements and then it'll be dismissed. God, we thank you for today, Lord. We thank you uh, about these core values of everyone serves and everyone gives, Lord. And we pray that, uh, God, that you and your spirit will just convict us of where and how we can even do that better, Lord. We thank you that there are so many servants in this church, Lord. And we thank you that uh, we just ended a year with, I think, $300,000 over our, what we thought we'd bring in, Lord. God, we thank you that... Uh, how you use that is, is just ways that are blessing people all around the world and making your kingdom and your son realize, Lord, in many different ways. Lord, we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Sermon Audio Podcast from Greenwood Baptist Church in Weatherford, Texas. You can find links to topics and scriptures discussed in this episode by looking at the show notes. You can find more information online at greenwood.church. If you have any questions or comments, please send an email to info at greenwoodbc.com.